to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Well, here we are at another podcast, and this is the last podcast in the series on midlife, the midlife transition, and the midlife crisis. And the way I thought I would wrap this up is talking about my midlife. I've, I've always tried to be fairly transparent as I'm talking uh, through the various issues in Thrivology and have been very clear about my own struggles along the way. And so today I thought it might be useful just to kind of talk through how my midlife transition has gone and, and how I've come to these understandings. Because this is a different place for me than when I first stumbled upon this years ago. I remember that first case that I talked about when the, the person came in and he told me that everything was different. He said, you know, it's like I woke up and everything looked different. It was like the colors were different and everything around me was so different. That was his beginning of a midlife crisis. Now, for him, it was quite a crisis. But not everybody has that same experience, which is why, as I talked about in that very first podcast, we have some who believe that there's no such thing as a midlife crisis, because for it to be a, a thing in their mind, uh, a kind of as a, uh, as a growth point, as a formation point, uh, if you think about the different stages of life, to see that as a given stage of life, then everybody has to go through it. You know, we all go through adolescence, right? We all go through those young years. We all go through midlife time period, but not everybody has a midlife crisis. Sometimes what happens is that people move through their crisis in a different way. So here I am at 51. Um, well, I'll be 51 next month. So I'm on the verge of 51. Last year, I crossed over that mid-century point, and it wasn't a big deal in my life. Uh, you know, I had a couple of things I wanted to get done. So uh, my uh, upcoming book, Thrivology, uh, or, or the Thrive Principles, my book on Thrive Principles, was turned in shortly before my 50th birthday. That was just one of the most goals. I'd had it on my plate for several years working on it, and it was time to get it out. And so when the publisher came and said, okay, we, we've got to choose our date, and we can't get it out until the spring because we want it in the, what they call the late winter catalog. So pick your date. Now, if you don't know it, books launch on Tuesdays. And so my book officially launches on March 21st. The reason I chose March 21st is because I wanted it to be officially out before I turned 51 so that it happened in my 50th year. So that's where we are. I'm, at, I'm at coming up very quickly on 51, and I'm looking at this midlife and what I believe is mostly transition. I don't believe I'm in the middle of a crisis, but I do recognize that there's something different that's running around. That fire in my belly has changed over time. And I would say that the change really started several years back. So... Let me tell you, first of all, that my whole approach to life is a little bit different than a lot of other people's, but it didn't start there. When I was interviewing to go to college, I remember that the admissions person asked me a question and said, so what do you, what do you plan on doing? You know, after you leave this school, what's your plan? And I said, oh, I'm going to be president of a corporation. President of a corporation. Here I was, uh, this 18-year-old, uh, fairly overly confident kid coming in saying I was going to be president of a corporation. 
Well, I didn't even make it into school before I had already shifted what I was studying. I, I come in, I had come in under the pretense of business, and I quickly switched to sociology because I really realized that there was something else, another calling within me that was about about meaning and purpose. And for me, that at that point, the the calling seemed to be about ministry. I grew up in a minister's family. I grew up with relatives who were in the ministry, and so that was a frame of reference. And, and what that meant was throughout my whole childhood, I'd watched as my father worked at what was a meaningful, hopefully meaningful task, not always meaningful. In fact, I had a conversation with my father uh, a while back, and, and he said that, yeah, even for him at midlife, even though his entire life had been devoted to helping others make meaning and to find the meaning in life, he had that moment where he said, is this really what I need to be doing? All that to say that no matter where you start, at midlife, something happens that makes a shift. And there are some things that cause that shift. And I think it's all about the what wakes you up. As I look back over this year, I think about some friends who have passed away. I think about my friend, my childhood friend that I talked about in another podcast, Nelson, who is in the midst uh, of moving through this progress uh, or the degress of his body as he struggles with Lou Gehrig's disease. And so as I walk around, I watch people my age who are suddenly finding that there are limits to their physical health. And that's a wake-up call because suddenly you go, wow, what's just in front of me that I don't know about? You know, here I, I can sit and, and I can proclaim that I'm at midlife, but that's assume I'm assuming I'm going to make it to 100 if I'm going to use that, this as midpoint in my life. Well, I don't know what, what lies ahead of me, but I do know that suddenly time becomes much more of essence. The other day I was reading an article about tail ends. It was, it was really an interesting article because I, I've talked about this on my podcast before that sometimes we don't know that we're finished something until it's over. I didn't realize that I had taken my kids to school and dropped them off for the last time until after it was over. You, you get to those points when you look back and you go, wow, that was the last time. And sometimes those are poignant moments. You know, I remember driving home after having dropped off my children, knowing that the next day they would be driving themselves. And I realized that was it. I had been driving them all these years and that was my last time. But then there's some other times when you look back and realize you had that last conversation with that person, a friend, family member. You had that last moment with them that maybe if you have an injury at some point, you go, wow, that was the last time I did whatever. And so there are lots of last times, but there are also the, this uh, tail end, as the author said. And the tail end means that, that there is something that's already come to a diminishing end. And the person's example was when your child graduates from high school, looking at time, face-to-face -face time with your child, you have completed 95% of your face time with that child because they're going to go off and do other things. And I've been thinking about how that's true with my kids. Now, that doesn't mean that I have no contact with them from now on, and I might still have some influence with them, but the kind of face-to-face -face time you have as a family unit when your, your child's at home, when they leave high school is 95% over. You can talk to them on the phone, see them at breaks, see them at various times. They may even be home over the summer and, and, and holidays and that kind of thing. And yet 95% is already over. That's the tail end. 
So I started thinking that part of, of what happens in this process is that we realize how many tail ends are there, that we're living in the tail ends. Some people are looking at the tail end of careers, that maybe they're in a career that is changing and evolving and, and moving away from them. And so they're at the tail end of it. Or maybe they realize that it's time for them to shift to something else and it's a tail end. But I also realize that there's a front end, and that's the opportunity of midlife. A midlife transition, a midlife crisis is not all about loss. It's about opportunity on the other side. It's about things falling away, but it's about things coming together and how we have new opportunities. As I look at this week, uh, this year, I begin to think about all the changes that are coming. My book comes out in March. Another book just released last week. I have started uh, to, to be a part of a training program for, for life coaches and being a, a co-principal in that. And so many areas of my life are suddenly taking on new possibilities. And I'm on the front end of those. I have no idea what the tail end will look like, but I know I'm on the front end of a whole new level of involvement. But that still means that there's a transition for me. My wake-up call came sometime around 2003, 2004, when I heard a doctor tell my wife that I had 89% chance of, of full disability and that the disease I had was going to kill me. I remember the moment when I realized that I could be at the tail end of my life, that I could be at the tail end of my usefulness. That was a wake-up call. Now, fortunately, I was given more time. And I call this my bonus time. And I've always, for these past uh, years, for these past almost 15 years now, believed that I was living in bonus time, time that I didn't think I would have. And it led me to transform uh, how I took care of myself and transform how I view my work. And the interesting thing about this, this was not my first time to come up against this crisis of life. In fact, I would say I spent my career preparation getting ready to help people make sense of these things, to to find meaning in life. For me, the job of a therapist was to help people make meaning out of what had happened in their life. But I realized at some point that I had already shifted to a coaching world. And for me, the difference is coaching is also about helping create a purpose and helping find your impact. So I found that my career has been about helping people make meaning out of things happening to them, find their purpose in the world, and create the impact that they want to have. And yet I wasn't completely applying it to my own life. And so even though I had had a wake-up call, and even though I had spent time in my early career with people who were terminally ill, listening to their hurts and regrets, listening to the places where they were coming to terms with being at the tail end, I'd spent long hours in therapy office and on the phone with clients, helping them find meaning and, and create their place of purpose. I wasn't doing enough of that because it wasn't calling loud enough then. And then midlife transition comes along and wakes you up. So along the way, what I've realized is I probably kept away from a midlife crisis because I had been working on this in many ways for a number of years. But that doesn't mean that I haven't found myself in the midst of a midlife transition, which is still about hearing those voices say, what is this all about? How are you going to make sense of this? And how do you intend on changing the world around you? 
So I still find that the most important questions for me are always about what is this about? What is my purpose here? What's my design in life about? What impact will I make on the world? How can I make a difference? For me, the impact comes from that sense of meaning added into a place of purpose in a way that changes those around me, changes me and those around me. We all need that place of meaning. We all need that place of mooring, something that we, we can anchor to. That's what that meaning is about. It's, it's, it's about finding that place to say, this is what life's about. In the toughest moments, this is what I remember life is about. One of the, the first crises of midlife is figuring out, is life meaningful at all? Once we get to that place where we go, yeah, life's meaningful, I've just got to find a deeper place of meaning and a deeper place of purpose, then things begin to change. And I would say that there have been three major shifts for me, and that they might be major shifts that make sense for you. And if you have a loved one who is at this point, it might make sense for that person. The first place was my health. I realized that the body I was in, that I had been fueling poorly and not really exercising a lot and certainly not resting well, was going to have to carry me me through whatever years I had left. Now, I came to that realization because I had a doctor say, it's not going to take you long to get to the end of this. Your body is not going to be able to carry you that far. When that didn't come true, I realized that it was up to me to make a change, up to me to make a difference. But I think we all are faced with that health awakening. Sometimes we come to that health awakening when damage has been done. I was lucky I don't have too many side effects. I have some little quirky things that happen in my body. But for the most part, I have no detrimental side effects from that illness. There are others who find themselves working from a deficit because their body's been hurt. I've talked with people who gave up smoking but still find the residual effects of it years later, or people who uh, had to give up some addiction only to find that there are still residual places where their body just can't completely heal. Then there are those who suffer illnesses just that, that come upon them, and they find themselves having to say, given this, how can I transform my health? How can I move my health as far forward as possible? So one of the big callings of midlife is how do I make this vehicle of my body carry my inside, my soul through the rest of my life? That's a big question for us to face of how do we make it different? How do we use what we have in this vehicle of ours, this body of ours, to take our soul to the end of our time here so that we can do the other pieces? Because the health awakening is only in service of hope And that is only caused by our healing. And so the hope is where we have to ask the question, can we find the deeper meaning? Sometimes people get to midlife and lose hope, find that it, it, it all falls apart. I was talking with a salesman the other day, and he said, you know, for years and years, I really got excited about those sales numbers. Every month, I got really excited to look at those numbers, and I kind of made it my own competition. And then one day, I looked at those numbers, and they meant nothing. I had no hope left because I had based my entire existence on the numbers for the week and the numbers for the month and the numbers for the year. And I realized they were not my numbers. They were the company's numbers. They were not my successes. They were helping somebody else's success. 
So he and I had to find some other places to, to dig meaning out, to find hope. So one of those big transitions in midlife is to ask, where's my hope? How do I build my hope? And, and I believe this is our place where we step into responsibility and say, I'm able to respond to the world differently. I can find my place of meaning. I can find my place of purpose. Our purpose is how we move into the world. Meaning is what we draw out of the world. Purpose is what we put into the world. And both of those combined create an impact of how we're changing the world around us. But it starts with hope. What hopes do I have for the meaning in my life, for the purpose in my life, for the impact of my life? For me, I realized that my hope comes from realizing that even in the, my lowest times, there's, there's a meaning to be found from that, that there's a challenge to be overcome in pain and suffering, and to believe that I have some purpose in helping others to find better ways in life and helping point the way that even if I haven't been down that way, I can point the way for others and say, that's how you move to make a difference in the world. This is how you involve yourself to make a difference for those around you in your family, in your marriage, in your own life, in your community, in the, in the greater community of the world, how you impact others. And that weaves a place of hope for us. And the last is healing. That's the other H of healing, of finding a way of letting go of those regrets and resentments. The resentments are the hurts caused by others. The regrets are the hurts caused by what we didn't do. Maybe you have some regrets over places you didn't spend time. I, I hear lots of people hit midlife and have regrets over not having spent enough time with their family or not having enough spent enough time with their loved ones, their spouse, their friends, their children. So there can be regrets. But what I've recognized is that regrets are unchangeable. We can allow it to transform what we do next. We can decide that we've got to go back and deal with those regrets, apologize, make amends, reconnect, but we have to release the regret part. We take responsibility for what we've done, and we release the regret part, forgive ourselves. The resentment part is forgiving those around us that we feel slighted us. More and more over time, I've realized that my resentments that I've held are usually against people who didn't mean to cause me harm, that didn't mean to hurt my feelings, didn't mean to get in my way, and that my resentments are based in my perspective, not theirs, that they usually weren't trying to hurt me. And so part of that midlife realization is that everybody is doing the best they can where they are. In fact, if I put these two together, the regrets and resentments, to recognize that we all do the best we can where we are, both those outside of us and ourselves, and to allow a little grace in. Midlife is that opportunity of finding that point of grace when maybe we've had a harder time getting it until now. So our health awakens and we, we do what we can to bring back that health so our vehicle can take our soul through life. We find hope. We draw meaning from difficult times, create our purpose, pull those together to create an impact around us. When we find healing, when we release that, that place of resentment, forgive ourselves and forgive others, of regret and resentment. And the biggest thing is that big shift that happens at midlife when we realize that life is not about accumulation. Life is about legacy. 
of the difference you make, of how you leave the world a better place. For me, midlife has been a point of saying, how can I move more intentionally into my future and more intentionally create that meaning, more intentionally live out a purpose and more intentionally create impact in the world around me so that my legacy is not about stuff, but about differences in people's lives. I hope you find the same. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. You've been listening to the Thriveology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thriveology.com or at thriveologymagazine.com. Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Thank you.